Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, violinists and, uh, and trombone players could, could really just throw shade at each other, but they did. And they had a good time with it. State Senator Nate Libby joins us now, as he does each month here on The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning. Hopefully we can get close to the lofty standards of car talk. Hopefully. <laughs> Good tweet. Good tweet out there. Two-year, $7 billion state budget is a hot topic for conversation in Augusta and in my house and everywhere else, probably. Democrats recently announced their proposal for the state budget. It was called the Opportunity Agenda. Well, now's our opportunity to talk about it. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's start off with property tax relief and just kind of run down from there. Yeah, this is a major component of our proposal, which is sort of a, in contrast to Governor LePage's two-year budget. So... Um, a lot of folks probably aren't aware because they don't live in this world like we do, but we are entering a period of pretty substantial revenue surplus in the state. And um, that's a big change from the last seven or eight years coming out of the recession. So in looking at those surplus revenues, we decided that if we're going to do anything with it, we want to uh, provide property tax relief to folks in Kittery and Fort Kent and everywhere in between. So we accomplished that in a few different ways. Number one is increasing the homestead exemption. This is a great program for Maine residents who own a single home in Maine. Um, the current homestead exemption we raised in the last two years from 10000 to 20000 We propose going from twenty to 30000 So that means you take $30,000 off the value of your home and you pay property tax on that smaller amount. The second program is for low-income folks, uh, folks that pay property taxes or that rent. It's called the Property Tax Fairness Credit. We put additional money into that program so that Folks who do uh, have fixed incomes, particularly those who are retired, will see a larger um, property tax relief benefit. And then for folks who uh, rent and are on fixed incomes, they'll see an increased benefit as well. And then finally, the the program um, that uh, some folks have heard about is revenue sharing. That's the program where the state says we're going to help towns and cities pay for some of those local costs. So we propose putting in an additional $64 million into the revenue-sharing program, and the hope there is that um, towns and cities make their decisions on what to do with those funds, but we know in places like Lewiston and Auburn, um, increased revenue-sharing will uh, almost certainly mean lower property tax commitment. As well, some towns may decide to make investments in programs that uh, they've been putting off for several years. So that's the property tax uh, piece. Now, uh, the next part of it is the, uh, the education funding, uh, the, the 55% of that. Let's, uh, let's break that down because I'm sure that's, uh, th- that's where some of the fun can be as well. Absolutely. So I think it was 12 or 14 years ago the voters told the legislature we want the state to pay 55% of education costs. They gave us that mandate, and for 12 or 14 years we've been unable to accomplish that for myriad reasons. So, of course, last fall... The voters said, yet again, we want the state to pay 55% of education. And by the way, here is a source of revenue for you to do that. And that source of revenue is the 3% surcharge on folks who have a net taxable income after all deductions and exemptions, a net taxable income of $200,000 or more. And it's 
it's that surcharges on everything above 200000 So our budget proposal, unlike the governor's and unlike what the Republicans are talking about, preserves that um, funding, and that'll be a major boost to local schools. Um, it's about $370 million over a two-year period that'll be channeled direct to um, public school districts. And again, um, local decisions here will decide what to do with those funds, but we expect several districts will take that additional revenue and lower the local property tax rate as a result. Other districts will make investments in the classroom that they've uh, been putting off since the recession. And then some, of course, will do a combination of both. We're talking with State Senator Nate Libby. We'll have more with him on the way. And we'll dig a little deeper into this budget, including uh, one thing I know a lot of folks are interested in, student debt relief, also direct care workers. I know there are a lot of you out there that are looking for a raise. We'll talk more about that on the way. Main Big Z. Gavin DeGraw, Maine's Big Z. Getting you through your Monday. There are puddles out there. There'll be more puddles throughout this week. Accurate with the forecast on the way. That'll confirm it for you. State Senator Nate Libby continues with us now. We're digging into this two-year, $7 billion state budget. Hot topic for discussion. We've talked about property tax relief, education funding. Flipping on the other side of the coin of education, uh, direct student debt relief. What uh, what are we uh, looking at doing on this on a on a state level uh, through this through this budget? So, uh, student debt has uh, been a, a growing challenge in this country for the last fifteen or so years. It's now past a trillion dollars um, across the country of uh, privately held student debt. In Maine, <clears throat> the average figure is about twenty nine thousand um, dollars. Is what the uh, average student who's graduated from a post-secondary institution is carrying. And so that, of course, represents a, a big challenge for a lot of young families who are starting out, you know, trying to get financing for a home or uh, purchasing a vehicle or putting money away for retirement. When you've got 30000 in student debt, those monthly payments are anywhere from four, five, uh, $600 or more. And so what we're uh, proposing is a pretty innovative program. It'd be the first of its kind in the country, and it's it's a direct student debt relief and refinancing program. So what it says is that if you qualify uh, for the, what's called the Educational Opportunity Tax Credit, you'd qualify for this program. This program would allow you to cancel up to $15,000 of your privately held student debt and then refinance an additional $15,000 uh, at 1% to 2% interest rate. So there are two parts here. One is we want to be able to provide a, an immediate stimulus to the economy, freeing up monthly uh, budgets to be able to spend locally. But two, we want to be able to advertise this program to the rest of the country and the rest of the world to say, hey, you know, um, Maine needs young people. Maine needs professional people uh, to come and, and um, lay down roots and make Maine their home. And here is a hell of an incentive to come do that. Um, so it's a pretty exciting program and uh, one that I hope we're going to get some traction on. Now, um, direct care workers, I've had a lot of folks that have come in uh, from John F. Murphy Homes, from uh, from all sorts of uh, areas in the state as well, uh, dealing with funding for direct care workers. It's a need that's not going to go away. I think we're only going to need more direct care workers. I know the minimum wage just got raised. However, this is tough work. You know, Do you want to work somewhere easy for the same amount of money or do you want to be a direct care worker for the same amount of money? So funding for that is, is pretty key. I know that's something you're looking at in this budget as well. Right. You, you set it up very well. I mean, you've talked to a lot of these folks, as you said. One of the challenges they will note is that even with the minimum wage increase, which I think is $9 an hour now, 
you have some fast food chains that are paying 11 and $12, ir- irrespective of mm-hmm. the minimum wage increase. And, and to be choosing between working in the fast food industry or working in direct care, um, actually getting paid the same or perhaps more in the fast food industry, it's a really tough challenge these folks face. So uh, basically these organizations, whether they're providing care for senior citizens or folks with developmental or intellectual disabilities, um, they're doing exceptionally hard work. They do require a lot of training, um, and they are basically nonprofit organizations that, for the most part, do their work through the Medicaid program. So they're, in effect, um, de facto state workers. And so what we're proposing is increasing reimbursement rates for these organizations, but saying the increase in reimbursement has to go to, to direct care worker salary. A, that's going to help uh, stabilize that labor market, B, it's going to make sure these folks are paid well enough for the work they do. Um, and C, it's going to ensure that we have enough of these organizations providing services for uh, seniors and folks with disabilities long into the future. Talking with State Senator Nate Libby. Coming up, we're going to talk about how we're going to pay for all this. Seems like a good good topic of discussion. It's like, oh, it, you know, I feel like I've bought the new car. I've gone over all the features, and now we're going to talk <laughs> price. More on the way. It's a breakfast club. We continue now with State Senator Nate Libby rolling through this two-year, $7 billion state budget. We've talked about property tax relief, fully funding 55% of education funding, direct student debt relief, and funding for direct care workers. The answer, the question now, of course, as we go sit down at the uh, at the desk here, how do you pay for all of this? Right. So uh, what I've outlined so far, in addition to a few other programs, about $248 million. And... Um, you may ask, well, how are you going to pay for it, which you already have. Um, oh, yes, yes. <coughs> that's, looking- my, that's my question for everything, though, honestly. My no, kid could be like, hey, I want a video game. Be like, great, how are you going to pay for that? Like, right. It's just a, it's a knee-jerk reaction at this point. So uh, what we're basing this off is uh, pretty modest, about 2% uh, growth in state revenues over the next several years, um, and that's consistent with the last two years. So all of what we're proposing can be done within existing resources without raising any, any new taxes. Um, where this money is coming from is about $150 million in um, projected growth in the general fund revenue, and then about $70 million over the two-year period that's coming in from um, a recent agreement with Amazon and Airbnb to start collecting and remitting sales tax um, for, for purchases made by Mainers. And then the final component is a pretty modest $15 million expected to come from uh, the legalization of uh, recreational marijuana. So altogether, what we're proposing is a balanced uh, package, and out of that $248 million, about $150 million of that goes right back to Mainers through the form of property tax relief. Now, how does this compare with the governor's proposal? The governor <clears throat> has proposed a, a pretty different package. He um, is really focused on cutting the income tax for the Maine's uh, top earners, and to do that, he makes a number of cuts to state government, so laying off some... 300 state workers and and eliminating another 200 or so vacant positions, um, taking about $100 million out of the healthcare economy through various state reimbursement cuts. Um, and then uh, he does, his proposal doesn't get us anywhere near the 55% of state funding for education that the voters have asked of us twice now. So altogether, um, you know, he's really focused on income tax cuts. Uh, and we when we look at them on paper, who benefits? It's almost exclusively the the top earners. Whereas our package 
really focuses on property tax relief, and that affects everybody who owns a home or, or rents, um, whether they live in Kittery, Fort Kent, or Lewiston. And uh, the market right now, uh, in terms of buying, is, is out there. People are buying houses all over the place, and uh, your monthly payment a lot of times can be affected quite a bit by your property tax. Don't don't think that just because you're not paying a, a thing to the to the town each year. Pay attention to your tax statements. That That's way right. you know how much it is, because when you're like, well, when did the mortgage go up $30? Yeah, well, there's a reason why for that. State Senator Nate Libby is in. Coming up, we'll uh, talk a little bit about uh, a couple of the bills that he's uh, been working on. Also, uh, we'll talk about his uh, his thoughts on uh, Governor LePage's comments here on The Breakfast Club last week. You'll listen to The Breakfast Club, Maine's Big Z. Hanging out with State Senator Nate Libby. Final segment with him. Talked about the two-year, $7 billion state budget. So uh, you've been working on a lot of uh, number of bills since we spoke to you last. You know, I thought of you the other day while I was driving, actually. And of course, you know. I, uh, I think of you too. Yeah, not you know, once in a while. Yeah. A little, little bit differently, though. Yeah. I was coming through New Auburn, and I was not screwing around on my phone or messing with my radio or anything. I was just yeah. looking ahead. And you come into New Auburn, all of a sudden, out of the blue, I see these orange lights flashing where the pedestrians are. Yeah. And, it's, boop, 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 and I'm like, huh? Looking around. And there's a guy, and he was basically, like, dressed as a street sign. Like, he had the same color clothes on, and he was so skinny that from the side, you wouldn't have even known he was there if the the thing hadn't flashed. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I think that's what he means when it comes to pedestrian uh, safety. I know you're looking at creating a fund for that. I know that's one of the, uh, the, the bills that you've been working on. Let's talk a little bit about that. But that especially with the, with all the distracted driving, which as much as we talk about it, it's never going to go away. So right. what can we do to, to counteract that? Right. I think what you were describing, we call them the rapid flashing actualized um, pedestrian beacons or some gobbledygook like that. I but, like beacons. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like the crosswalk beacon. I it's, think that's good. It's like a super bright uh, orange strobe light that really grabs the attention. And we see them on Russell Street and... Um, we're going to see them soon on Main Street where Jaden Cho Sargent was um, killed at that intersection. But the idea is that because um, because of the increase in distracted driving um, and perhaps because of the uh, lack of awareness among pedestrians nowadays about how you really need to be careful on the streets, um, we feel like we've got to make some improvements and mostly focusing on the high-speed intersections. Um, so along the main streets in Lewiston of, of Maine, Lisbon, East, Russell, um, those those major corridors, we want to see some improvement um, for pedestrian safety. Those signs that you're talking about, one of the most effective measures uh, for really grabbing the driver's attention, but they're also expensive. So what we're proposing is providing state funds to help towns and cities make those investments if they choose to. And so the, the actual bill has been carried over till the second half of the session Um and in the interim, we're going to try to get some money through the state budget for this purpose. Now, there's a proposal to move Maine into the Atlantic time zone. Uh, I guess if Massachusetts and New Hampshire do it, I guess that's if they do it, we'll do it, too. Uh, Governor Page was on last week, and I, I had to ask him about it because, well, that's just what I do. I just I pick questions. I'm like, eh, see what happens. Wind it up, see what happens. And uh, he was he was not a big fan, I, I guess. What, where are you at on this? I, I was really surprised to see uh, this bill come out of committee in the form that it did. So sometimes you'll have a bill where uh, it comes out of committee and certain folks say, yeah, it's a good idea, and other folks say this is a crappy idea. And so you have an option. Do I want to vote for the bill or do I want to vote against the bill? But in this instance, 
there were two versions of the bill and both said, yes, we're going to do this. And I was just kind of like shocked. Like, are we, are we really going down this path of putting us outside of the, uh, the time zone where most of the economic activity in the Eastern seaboard occurs? So, uh, uh, our choice is, do we want to support option a, yes, we're going to do it or support option B. Yes, we're going to do it. And, <laughs> uh, fortunately we're going to use some parliamentary trickery to, um, to kill this bill. And so what we've done is the House has passed one of those versions and the Senate has passed an alternate version. And we did that by design because we've got two versions now in conflict and the end result is going to be that uh, neither option passes. So I want to share with folks that almost assuredly you can breathe a sigh of relief that we're not going to go down this crazy, crazy train of uh, moving us outside of the same time zone as New York, Boston and Washington. We have been talking with State Senator Nate Libby this entire hour. If you missed any of this interview, you can catch it on demand. It means BigZ.com. Just click listen to podcasts. Senator Libby, always good to see you. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Matt. Thank you. More on the way. Man's Big Z. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.